Kia ora everybody. This is a 2 p.m. session with my friend Jared. He's awesome. And we've got some great stories we're going to share with you today as part of the kaupapa I'm doing for Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, which is 32 Māori leaders and their stories and their journey of Te Reo. And from their personal stories, you all will get an understanding from all different uh, angles, perspectives, parts of the country, young and old, of what it's like uh, to be Māori and grow up speaking to Mo uh, Te Reo Māori or not and all mm. the different bits in between. So let's start with your introduction. If you can introduce to everybody who you are um, and we'll go get into it after we know who you are. Yeah, I kia ora, Mr Ashton. Um, I uh, ko maunga rangi te maunga, ko ōtara te awa, uh, ko whakatohia te iwi, uh, ko ngā here te hapu. Um, called Jared Hori Tuoro Tuku Ingoa. So Kilda, I took me um, thirty odd years to be able to say my pipi out there. So um, uh, it's Beautiful. moments like these that, um, yeah, that that make you feel good, but it never used to. Hey, Mr. Ashton, when you used to get asked to do that, you'd be like, oh, I used to be shaking. Yeah. I can, mm, I can mm. share, share about that for everybody to understand and you know, let them think about if they don't know you, if they have a, if they are either Māori themselves and going through this or yeah. have a friend who is Māori and they never understood why their Māori friend couldn't do their pepiha or the mihi. Or... So tell us your story. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, rugby man through and through, only ever went to school to eat lunch and throw a ball around and uh, managed to pass bursary with a C, C get degrees. And, um, you know, like most rugby teams do, they'll go into um, Marae and do the camps or, you know, visit and um, have overnight stays and stuff. And without a doubt, this would always happen. Um, I'd always get looked to, or me and my brother, I've got a twin brother, uh, would always get looked to and go, oh, hey, can you guys do the corridor? And I'd be like, ah, hell no. Um, oh, well, can you go to Waiata? You're like, ah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you must be able to do a karaki and you'd be like, oh, nah. And each time you'd get asked those things, you'd, I'd move further and further to the back of the group, you know, and um, when we rock up to the marae as we're driving there and you know it was coming and so, you know, I'd just you know, get real nervous and real shy. But at the end of it, it was a lot of um, shame because, you know, we were Māori and we couldn't do any of those things. And so when, when I talk about the pepeha, but um, we never grew up around uh, te reo speaking uh, in the household. I remember actually doing kapahaka. I was about eight or nine at primary school, came home, was living with my nan and my, and my papa, my grandparents, and I was doing the haka hard out in the middle of the living room, and my nan came running in and told me off. Oh, real? Yeah, and... Um, I'm there going, what? But we're Māori. I thought you'd be proud or, you know, you'd at least say good work. And um, now in my, when I started my te reo journey last year, um, and I now realise one of our first assignments was the history. And so anyway, the, um, the Native Schools Act that was brought in way back prevented her generation from speaking te reo. And if they did at the schools, then you get uh, punished for it, you know, strapped and all sorts. So she made a decision there to, you know, she didn't want that experience for us. And so it's all part of the 
colonization process which caused her to 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 do that i always wondered for how many years why she did that and so now it makes a lot of sense right she was only protecting us so i never learned my pepeha a lot i probably yeah no i never did it a lot uh, if any uh, up until till recently so it's very proud to be able to say say it now yeah, I can only imagine what it would have been like every one of those moments in the rugby trips and all the emotion uh, attached to those feelings. Um, you know, you're going there to enjoy your rugby and mm. a moment. And, yeah, I don't have that um, exact uh, scenario, but I can uh, empathise with that dread of that moment and... Um, for me also, um, the fact that it gets rehashed over and over and over. I don't know if your mates for it, but my mates used to give me stick for a few things because um, mm. you couldn't couldn't do it at the time and they wouldn't never let it let it go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it boils a bit of anger in me um, mm. and also shame. Mm. Uh, so I don't know how you handled it, but, um, yeah, it comes back to... Uh, and I didn't realise it was part of the Native Schools Act because I haven't. I've just read about that this uh, last few days. Mm. Um, it was a Native Schools Act, but I, for some reason I had it the other way in my head that um, it meant that there was a Native school uh, where, um, and that was. And I, I took it that that was where Maori kids had to go, mm. part of being part of the normal school. Because um, it talked about the the act being abolished in something like 1953 or 1963, three, which seemed really recent, right? Mm. Uh, so I have to look and so there we go. There's something I need to explore to actually understand the truth of our history. Um, but I'll take yours as the truth, which is um, related to your story, your nan, and it's exactly like Barry Miller, man. Um, so Barry Miller, who's now the CEO of the Southern Cross Cable, that's how we get the international internet. Yeah, the, you know, if yeah. you want to watch YouTube, it comes over the cable he manages, so pretty substantial uh, responsibility. Yeah. And um, when he, when I said to him, I said, oh, I'm learning Tario, you can uh, speak Tario with me. And he jokingly went, Oh, don't you speak the devil's language? And I was like, mm. I know, I know you. I know you're a bit of a joker, Baz. But Jesus, don't don't clip me one. For <laughs> what's going on? And he explained same situation. His mum got beaten and traumatized so much that she wouldn't even teach him at home. Which to me is yep. absolutely disgusting treatment of a human being. Mm. No, no other thing for it. And you know, it makes a lot of sense. Well, now that I understand a little bit, like so much still to learn and there'll be a lot of people listening or know way more. And so when you were to take over a country, though, you know, to colonize a country, you want to wipe out um, what they're used to. But um, what I wanted to get across today is when you want to take over something or someone or a people, if you're making them feel shame, like I love Brene Brown's definition of shame, it's around that, um, you know, you believe that you're flawed. Shame is you believe that you're flawed and then you don't belong. And so yeah. there's this generation now that feel exactly that, you know, uh, for large periods of their life. And in her research, this is the kicker, right, when you look at all the 
to stats that Māori represent in, um, you know, in those those stats that they keep rattling off in media, um, whether it's unemployment and um, in prison, etc. Well, her research, um, Brene Brown's research, shows a direct correlation to addictions. If you feel shame and if you have this sense of shame, there's direct correlation to addictions, aggression, depression, um, anxiety, and all those things that we don't want to be doing. And so as a colonizer, right, how would you, what would you do? Well, you'd want them all to feel shame so that they don't feel belonging and then end up not prosperous and not, you know, fulfilling potential, et cetera, et cetera. So that was probably my big realization on my te reo journey um, and probably going a little deep, a little quick there, Mr. Ashton, but um, that was my realization last year was, That's um, Any time, because this is this is to me. Um, so I have a really high sense of justice. Mm. And I think it comes part of it is my background of having been bullied, and uh, I can't liken myself uh, to what the experience of being mouldy um, could be, would be uh, like, because I'm not mouldy. But I can mm. empathise with having been consistently treated. Um, and shamed and put down through bullying and how that made me feel. Um, my nickname at school was Psycho. Mm. If you talk about what Brene Brown talks about in terms of addiction, violence, anger, um, mm. I felt such anger at the shame that they made me feel. I had the classic movie thing happen where I got invited to a party and in the middle, in the middle, they turned the stereo off, and the guy whose party it was came up and went, "What are you fucking? Wow. What are you here? Mm. Gotta get out!" And while I was like, going, "Jesus, this is really happening," everybody come around and started like uh, throwing beer cans at me and all the rest of it. Wow! Never told that story, but there were two hundred people that were there that night that were part of it. Mm. And um, I left, I left that party, and I went to my mate uh, John Daniels' party. His yep. dad head of the um, Dunedin Mongrel mob and I wasn't allowed to play with him growing up because of that. Yeah. And I went to him and told him and cried on his shoulder at the middle of their party. And he mm. said, he said, bro, you're my friend. You've always been my friend. No matter what, got your back. So mm. on Monday we went to school and uh, everyone's laughing and him and a couple of other mates went up to him and went, don't fuck with Ryan, you fuck with him. <laughs> and from that yeah. day on, no one gave me shit. Um, so, mm, mm. so I kind of feel, um, you know, like between that story having some linkage, mm, to mm, mm. I understand mm. that empathy. That's why wrong is wrong, right is right. And as a country, New Zealand needs to wake up to the truth of what went on and stop dismissing it and um, discarding it as though they don't care. Like, oh, just mm. move on. Why don't you moldy move on? Why don't you just mm, get mm, on this? Mm. Mm. Hundred years ago, I was like, "Well, actually, no. It gets passed on through generation. The way mm. you behave teaches you something about it, you know, mm. uh, and so on and so forth." So, I think that the the act of recognition and talking about it and bringing it out has been a huge healing, um, yeah, for myself, and therefore everyone's own choice. But hopefully, for everyone else, it is as well. So let's get yeah. to, let's get stuck mm. in. It. Mm -hmm. So tell us about 
tell us about your name because I heard the story and you said you're happy to share it. Tell us about yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So um, yeah, when I was eight years old again, um, I was in primary school in the start of the year, and everyone may have or older generation may have experienced this. You know, new class, same school but new class. And so the teacher got everyone to stand up and say their name and introduce themselves, you know. And I'm sitting in the room going, oh, sheep is not. And as it started coming around the room, as everyone stood up and said their name and it was getting closer, my heart just started, like, beating um, and sweaty, um, restless. And it was because I didn't want to say my surname to order. Because no one the year before could ever get it right. It was minced every time, you know, be Tudo, Tororo. Um, and so I didn't want to say it. Uh, I wanted to be called something else that people could pronounce. And so when I finally stood up, kind of shaking, it was, hi, I'm Jared Carrington, which is my mum's maiden, maiden name. Um, and everyone laughed because they all knew me from the year before. And at that point, it was a massive, like I, only reflecting on it, you know, like five years ago now, reflecting back was when I realized there was this immense sense of shame at that point. It was like a knife had gone through my heart because I couldn't even say my Fano name. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting when you talk about being able to talk about it is because Brene Brown talks about, again, the one of the only ways to release the shame, or she says the way, is to talk about it. So um, I've had that I've held that for a long, long time, and it's actually in that moment, like she says, I felt I didn't belong, I wasn't worthy enough. And the other key point to this, that was a belief that was created right then in that moment, eh, when everyone laughed. Um, that then dictated my life. I went into environments in rugby where I felt I didn't belong, even though I was picked. There was comments like, oh, jeepers, lucky so-and-so didn't play, or I'm really lucky or that. You know, I didn't felt like I actually deserved to be in the room with all these other people. Yeah. So, you know, the old deep-seated um, self-belief um, takes a hit, and it's um, it sticks with us, definitely, if we don't, you know, address it. So, again, uh, yeah. yeah. That, that old saying that kids would sing or parents would try to sing to kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, mm. but hurt me. It's actually the other way around. I would I'd much rather have a fight with sticks and stones. Um, usually mm. I would win them. Um, that's why I was called psycho. Um, mm. <laughs> the, the names are the ones that hurt the most. And, um, yeah, they do. Like uh, you said, they dictate your lives. And in some ways, I don't want it to ever let it dictate my life, but it did until I did something about it. Mm. Mm. For me, it was rugby uh, that helped me uh, change as well because one of the kids I coached at rugby tried to commit suicide over bullying. Um, mm. and, I was seven, and I had done the typical push it down, push it down, don't, don't acknowledge it, doesn't there. Hope like hell I never run into any one of those guys from school in my adult life because I would just mm. behave and blah, 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 blah. And, of course, this has brought it all back. So I decided to do something about it and started researching um, and finding out all these things, just like you're talking about from Breno Brown. Um, but one of the most important things is that if you don't stand up for yourself, mm. you self-worth. Standing up for yourself 
um, retains your self-worth. And standing up for yourself doesn't always have to be the way that my dad told me to, which is mm. the, which is look for the biggest bastard and smack him, <laughs> and then the little yeah. bastards will run away. And then, <laughs> yeah. That's fine until tomorrow, and the big bastard comes back with ten big bastards, and they're all ready to punch yeah. you. You can't do much, right? So, you have to learn to stand up for yourself uh, with your corridor and um, be able to bring it down or bring it back in a um, sensible, sensible way. But of course, as a teenager, I never knew that it was. Yeah. It was, and um, yeah, you know, I, I sort of think of all the different things and hearing your story again. It just makes me go, oh. You know, sometimes I wish I had a um, time machine to go back and change. Oh, and that's the, the, yeah, that's the bit about yeah. shame, isn't it? You just want it to be removed, so you know, so bad. So have the so, same feeling. So moving forward now, because obviously yeah. um, this is one of the things that you work on. This is uh, your your papa with Mana Mind. Yeah, um, starting to get involved. I'm a not started but going to be client um so i can't speak fully about uh the experience but you know, this is one of the things that i i now sort of understand there's actually a, a drive and personal passion uh, from your past Ooh. in there um but you know, you've you've come from a background of rugby as you mentioned and um i think i think you know, the, the session that I did, which was one of the sort of, you know, come and have a look type sessions, yep. um, there were amazing things in there from the um, gratitude tape. I think you talked about where you've mm. got to read things back to yourself. And it just hit me when we're sitting in that session, like, yeah, if I was listening to that, that would be much better than listening to Fatso Joe from Mexico and you're a psycho. <laughs> You've got no idea, Ash Bucket. You'll never, you'll never have an idea. All the, all the things like I can, I can remember them actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was quite, um, it's quite sort of. It's one of those moments that I'll never forget, to be honest. Oh, that way. Yeah, like you hear about this stuff, but it doesn't sink in. That was the moment. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, awesome, bro. Yeah, I'm. Well, not me. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad there was uh, something that came out of that corridor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. The mana mind um, process or experiences come out of our journey. Um, yeah, life's journey through rugby, and so um, I knew that I never quite reached my potential in rugby, and I was quite frustrated with that, and. Um, I'd always wondered why, and then when I left rugby um, or finished playing rugby, um, I worked in rugby for like 14 years, um, and then when I finally left, there was this identity crisis, right? Well, who am I now? All I've ever done was rugby. Actually, all my contacts and friends were in rugby, and now I'd left, then who am I? What am I? And I felt that whole unworthiness again or flawed again because I had only had this one part of me. And so it wasn't really until starting my Te Reo journey last year, I was sitting at the Porphyry, well, so I did a full year immersion course. Um, some would argue it was a full year because I maybe wasn't there the whole time, but um, full year immersion course, four days a week. And so we're doing this Porphyry and they're welcoming all us new um, Toedo students on. And I just started bawling, like these emotions was just shaking and uh, what it was it was the realization that it was the end of an era or end of a chapter that i wasn't going to be able to speak any longer and i was looking at the 
the year twos and threes who were welcoming us on and i was just kept fixated on them going man i'm i'm on my way to being like one of them and yeah so all this emotion started coming out and um as we were going through the year's journey this whole sense of um a hole a hole was being filled because i could now do my pepeha and i could speak a little bit but i could understand a hell a hell of a lot more and so when shame talks about you're flawed the definition of shame is we're feeling we're flawed well i was starting to feel that feeling of being flawed where i can now do so it was like yes i was i felt i was a good person but now man that i could speak real and and understand a little bit more i was starting to fill this hole and i started to feel a lot more complete so it was a powerful experience like uh, and and that's something that i sorry my phone's going mental here um that's something that i really want to advocate for now and i help um maori business owners and maori athletes you know create this fulfilling life by overcoming the self-doubt stress and worry which really stems from these moments in history you know in our journey so coming coming back to that when you were balling and you, mm. you know, all this emotion um and you're looking at all of these other people did it did, did afterwards did they ask you what was going on no nah, you know it's that whole thing of i don't know whether they were ma or shy but i knew the guy next to me was thinking holy heck this fella's on something um yeah no no one no one asked but i couldn't stop it i literally couldn't stop it from coming out it was it was that strong crying is a um uh physical physical expression of emotion mm. and, uh, you we, you can't stop it right so i'm a i'm a chronic crier ask my mm. wife mm. we'll be watching we'll be watching a movie and i'll just start crying yeah. and, and it's because i'm watching that movie and i am in the moment it's also making me think of other moments in my life um or or things you know like um this is this is quite deep um a friend of mine was murdered and i still to this day have not grieved her death uh i'm still angry about it and um the you know a question like why can't i cry over her death um but Ooh. i can cry over over a moment in movie Ooh. and you talk about you couldn't stop it right um i think there's lots of things to it uh but a there's you know what 30 years of mm, years yeah. emotion coming out in that time so mm, yeah that's one thing. another thing i'll say is um that and i'm just really starting to patch this together and understanding is uh, the wairua mm. so I, i've talked to them for a number of years about the fact that when i did university they taught us that we can and this is this is this is western science mm, yep. see other beings up until about the age of seven like you know um you know that sensing murder and mm. you can see visions and people and you know whatever yeah a friend of mine his little sister used to have an imaginary friend nicknamed galigula which yep. sounds like a funny name but it's actually the name of a famous roman empire um wow general yeah and was actually her her great granddad and it wasn't until they were all round at the family at gran's home and here she was as a little girl and gran was looking wow. at her and showing because gran has 13 kids 
and one of those kids is my my friend's mother um then there's my friend and his sister and um they're looking through the photo album with the 13 kids and their 88 grandkids around and she goes oh there's galigla and everyone goes oh you're nuts you're nuts you know whatever and then she goes no Gligas says, Nan, pull up the leg of your trousers and show everyone there's a little scar on your left shin. And he says, that's when you run up the um, up to the, the, the doorway because the Gligla, the dead great-grandfather, built the house, right? Um, and Nan started crying and she went, yep, and pulled up the thing and showed everyone this little scar where she had tripped on the first step and skinned her leg on the second step trying to run to his arms on it. And um, from, apparently from, you know, everyone just froze in silence. And then Nam started asking her questions. What about this? And she answered all that's the questions. Big. That wow, no one, that's no, cool. She, I haven't even told anyone else. I haven't even told you kids about these things. Wow, that's cool. So, so for me, it was like, wow, this is real. Like what's, you know, like it took me by surprise that this could even be, because it just sounded all, in my education, life education to that point, mm -hmm. that's rubbish. Mm -hmm. Don't rubbish. Mm -hmm. So then when you talk to Wairua now, right, and I went in on my first pauwhiri, um, at the and I've only been involved in two, and it was at the Mangari Marae, and um, I was going there for a, an event, and mm. to be a well, to be welcomed on the Marae through a proper pauwhiri, you couldn't just walk on there and go to the event. Yeah. Well, um, I was I was shaking, my knees were jumping. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, you know how you feel when you're going to go play rugby, right? You, sort of, oh, you are getting like just amped up. Um, yeah. It was like that, but not the not 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 the aggressive aspect. But it was just I was vibrating on my chair oh, with um, with it, and everyone's when I was speaking to someone later. I was like, "Wow, that was like that's a wider word." So, you know, coming back to pulling your eyes out. Um, yeah. Which is, I think is the most beautiful thing ever. Love that story. Love that you shared it with everybody. And the, the way we like, I don't think it's, I've got past the, the crazy factor. I think it's, mm, mm, people, need to, people need to untrain and unlearn and go back to being a pre seven year old to mm. allow Wairua, Wairua um, to be part of their lives. You know, like, mm. and, and just on that, when you're talking about the gratitude, practices that are out there nowadays and you know mindfulness that's all about helping reconnect and open the channel to that space as well well like you say we've been conditioned over 30 odd years to believe and act and you know um to be in some certain way and so um those practices are about trying to unravel that or un unpeel that whatever you want to call it peel those layers back so that we can get access to it again because we always did and we always have and um she's pretty cool when you get to that like when we were when when we we're in that course last year and we we're learning um five corridor to do on a porphyry or even some of the more tia tia and waitas, man like these are words that have been used for like way back and you can actually just feel, you know, like I just, yeah, again, got emotional when I was reading these words, thinking these were some of the words that our tipuna were saying, you know, you could feel the connection. So, yeah, it's always there. So 
can I ask you, when I first asked you to be on this show, <laughs> yeah. you said, oh, no, no, I don't even know Terio. You've been on a full year's immersion course, and you're, let's say, let's say you're not, um, uh, as Kiwa talked about this morning, uh, his mum is a native speaker, but he's a fluent speaker because English is his first language. So let's say you're not fluent, but you can Ooh. certainly speak Terio. So why did you, you know? I thought you were going to get me to speak to Neil for the whole 30 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> well, you can if you want. We can try. Oh, it should be better. No. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. We are going to do that with one of the sessions. Uh, Hinarangi Edwards, who's oh. uh, Kiwa's um, partner, uh, her session later in the week. I'm actually going to come off being the host, and there's going to be a group of people that are just going to speak to Rio. Yeah, nice. going to be there won't be any Tereo Pakiha, it'll just be Tereo Maori. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. That, nice. Was a, that was a request she made. Um, said, oh, is it going to be like it's going to be all bilingual? I was like, well, I can't speak Tereo, but I want to get it. <laughs> she said, well, what about for my session? I was like, yep, done. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so, yeah, but but um, no, so you, what, what, what sort of level do you think you would say you're at then? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if if what the term is. Um, I don't know where beginner starts and where beginner ends, eh? But um, in yes. my journey, um, because I wasn't a studious <laughs> student, um, I got to the point where I can understand a hell of a lot more. And I keep hearing that's the first step. You know, you you understand more, and you you can't. I can't reply as well as I'd like to reply. Yes. Uh, but man, the there's students that like I saw massive transformations from people in our year last year. They went from doing not not like being able to say Kilda and that was literally it to now speaking um on poor fitty. One's gone to work at the um the uh tribunal, the Waitangi tribunal, and <laughs> he's like went from zero working at zero. To, to now being it, yeah, and he's doing their corridor and all of that. So yeah. So let's cool. come back to the connection thing, right? And you've Ooh. referenced Renee Brown. I want to reference the Rat Park experiment. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but for those that don't know it, in the 1960s, the American government did the first rat experiment to prove Ooh. that drugs were addictive. And what it was was single rats in single cages that had steel bars. And they were in the dark, mm. and they had normal water and cocaine water. So the rats just went hard on the cocaine water till they exploded, um, uh, had heart attacks, you name it. And it was a mess. So the government went, oh, cocaine's bad. Let's say pass mm. A, and that's where the drug on war on drugs comes from. Mm. So it wasn't 1978 that a um, Canadian psychologist said, oh, hang on. There's no control in this experiment. So for those that don't know uh, in scientific experiments, there's got to be the test of the hypothesis, which is the rats taking cocaine water, but there's also got to be a control, which is, say, uh, rats in the normal standard situation. So what he did is he did another experiment where the rats, instead of being in the dark in single cages with just metal bars and no, no nothing around, yeah. like no, yeah. no sofas, no, no blankets, no... no. <laughs> yeah. So did the same thing, made this beautiful rat park that had lots of colours, lots of rooms, lots of rats all able to mix them between, yeah. like like a, like Disneyland, and had yeah. the 
water than normal water. So, of course, on the Friday night, the rats were like, let's have some cocaine water. Good party. Thanks very much. <laughs> then after that, they're like, no, thanks. And what it proved is that it's not actually, um, and, and I, I used to say it's not drugs that are addictive, it's a loss of connection. But I have to keep that with um, drugs that are made from natural products are not addictive, but mm. meth actually has, because it's chemically made, have addictive right. um, properties in it. Right. So there's, there's, a, there's a rating system, and cocaine, for example, has a rating of 300. Uh -huh. um, the playing the pokies has a rating, I think it's either 60 or 100, just to give oh, you an idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Meth, meth is 1300 but um yeah so what i can what i can sort of tell you is that um having that loss of connection mm. that flaw that shame that loss of identity all all these different ways it can happen mm. uh, so your loss of emotional connection was to your own identity mm. uh, versus say any other type of uh loss of emotional connection so with your work, with what you're doing with Mana Mind and mm. uh, and people, it, it sort of seems to me, and I don't know, I don't know if there's any question in this, but I go, go after this. It sort of seems to me like we talk about um, having EQ training in schools. Mm. We've just they're bringing in history. They've got to bring in Tilio. Um, do they need to bring in something like Mana Mind um, or EQ to help all help all those who are out of school? Um, and affected, but also to help those who are coming into school so they don't get affected. Yeah, I think um, what I would what I would encourage, or if, if I had a magic wand, and this is only from my mere mm. 38, 39 years of experience, you know, so it's not a lot. <laughs> There's many more who's experienced more, but um, it's about the identity, you know. If, if everyone can be be, I don't know if the word's strong enough, but more confident in who they are and not need to have that sense of belonging from external things, you know, so we don't need the belonging to be coming from rugby like I did. Like, and then when rugby disappeared, then where did I belong? You know, if our belonging is anchored or our identity is anchored to external things, when those external things disappear, then that's when life becomes shaky. Um, and so you got, yeah, whether you call it emotional um, intelligence, um, it's just about giving our, our people the skills to be strong enough. Yeah, and I don't want to go near the word strong either because it's, it's not strong enough. Confident enough um, in who they are that they don't need anything else or anyone else to validate them. And, you know, you look at shame where it says, I feel I'm flawed and don't belong. And if that equals addictions, aggression, depression, all that stuff, then what's the opposite of shame? Well, it's love. And if we were to have love for ourselves so much, what would you get then? What's the opposite of addiction? What's the opposite of aggression and depression you'd get all those things which is what joy peace more love freaking loving just on a high right a natural high so that's what i would yeah that's what i would like to see is is that in that space cool
So we're just coming up on the 2.30. Oh. We aim to keep these half an hour so that they can yeah. see. And uh, we've covered some pretty deep things, and it's been um, – been beautiful to be honest i think that's a good word for it Ooh, so have you got have you got anything um more that you would like to share or express or a story that you can share that um, might help somebody else anything yeah i think just to reiterate what i said before and particularly everyone will be impacted but you know being maori in my journey in the last year is going back to learn or starting to learn te reo and even just learn about the te ao Māori view, if there are any Māori out there who are struggling with things in life, you know, whether it's um, addiction or depression and anxiety, because they might be not living up to, you know, they might be struggling in work, career, business, it's actually not the business and the career things that are going to solve that challenge for you, the way they're feeling. You know, um, I, I'm advocating for going back and connecting to, you know, te ao Māori and, and just in those ways because that's going to strengthen you so much more and you'll be a lot more, I would say, powerful. It is powerful and confident. Empowered. Empowered. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Empowered. Yeah. To go forth and do whatever you want and resiliency no matter what will happen in your career and in business you're going to have this strong foundation of certainty and confidence that it'll be like a water off a duck's back you know so that's my um that's my passion to help um yeah marty do that well thank you so much um Ooh. you know the i had a moment the other day um because I, I struggle with my identity, right? Because mm. I am not Fatso Joe from Mexico. Mm. I'm not Psycho. I do use Ryan the Lion, which is more related to marketing of AFQY than anything. It was my childhood nickname that I tried to get rid of because I was a little kid when they used to call me that. And when you're a teenager, you don't want to be called it. But then it's then it got yeah. the adult was a bit, a bit of fun. So the, the thing that I realized is that everybody else knows me as Ryan the Lion. And this loud vivacious guy who's you know mm. seems confident on the mm. outside so when i did my pink shirt day video three years ago and told everyone right. about it and i had so many people go you know a lot of the responses almost like what you jeez mm. never had any would never know it on the outside it's like yeah well, mm. well the inside mm. so i have still to this day struggled with who actually am i because it's um when you when you peel it back i guess there's, there's lots of clouds or mist and a lot of anger um and a lot of wanting to get even um which is a really negative way to see the um and i was actually uh lying in bed it was still nine o'clock in the morning lying in bed couldn't get out of bed didn't want to go to bed, out of bed. And um, was searching LinkedIn and came across an old note from a guy who wanted me to speak uh, for this upcoming Pink Shirt Day. And it made me think, I was like, yeah, that's actually my speech. You all know me as Ryan the Lion, but actually oh, really? not. And then I sort of went through all those nicknames and it, it started to help me strip away the identity that I was given oh. and 
work out that the identity who who is well Ryan the Lion today is who mm. I am as a result of who I've what I've been through. The yeah. process and um, you know I would encourage everybody uh, to look at identity and mm. especially Maori um, with what has happened in this country. So mm-hmm. I look mm. forward to that. Oh, even as I'm um, Pakia, I look forward to digging into the course with you um, and you know, getting the gems out for me out of that course because I've had a taste mm-hmm. of what it's like to feel your identity. And right. if, I, if I can complete that, then I will, I know I will feel the joy, the peace, the happiness, the mm. empowerment. And um, that's what I want for everybody. Yes. Aye. Amen. Totally. That, that's what we want. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, so uh, let's see how many people we can get signed up to your course. <laughs> we'll put the shout out tomorrow. We'll All right. Start well, thank out. You. Thanks for the chance, Mr. Ashton. And the co papa you're doing is, you know, raising that awareness um, to a new level. So, yeah, massive mahi to you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so uh, uh, open and honest uh, with your stories. Um, and uh, thank you for being part of the co papa because. I think your story will make a huge impact for a lot of people. Karawe, mm. Paitora, Kakigano, Kakite.